0: Good morning. Good morning we are so thankful to have you here as we celebrate homecoming 2023 and uh, just excited about what the Lord's going to do this morning um, just a reminder we will have a lunch to follow we encourage you to join us in the fellowship hall right after service for a lunch I went in there to take some food that my mother made so I could bring something and uh, and and a lot of food in there so please come and and join us for lunch right after the service a couple of things for you to know this morning um, we will not have services tonight on campus um, but we do get to celebrate a baptism this morning which we are thankful for so that's going to be part of our service this morning and kirk richardson is with us kirk was here for how long kirk long time (laughs) uh long long enough that we just eyeball it and go with it so uh, but he was here for a long time, and uh, his family's here with us as well, and so we're just thankful to have him here to preach through Isaiah 40 for us this morning. A couple of events just for you to know um, coming up. One is an event we're calling Fishing with Friends. This is for our kids' ministry, ages 3 through 5th grade, and their families. On, in a couple of weeks, September 24th, right after service, we're going to have a uh, fishing and crafts and food at the Busby House. Uh, right down in central hatchie so we would love for any kids who are interested in that to come be a part of that Um, it's going to be a lot of fun and so if you have any questions about that please see me also in a couple of weeks during fall break our students are going to have a mission emphasis week so the thursday and friday of fall break that's october 12th and 13th we're going to get together and do some local mission projects um, as part of our, our ministry to our community. So our students, any students who are interested in that, I'll have more information about that coming up. Um, but be, put that on, go ahead and put that on your calendars for October 12th and 13th. And then we are planning to have a what we're going to call a parent partnership lunch. So these are available on the um, welcome table. If you're a parent or a guardian of any of our kids or students here at the church, we want to have a lunch to come together and just talk about the biblical uh, commission of Family Discipleship. Um, it's it's on our hearts as a staff and as a church to help have a have just have a talk about what it looks like to disciple our families um, from the church's perspective and from the the parents' perspective. And so that is a free lunch. Um, it won't take too much of your time. That's right after service on October 22nd. So if you would take one of these, um, if you're a parent, we would love for you to be there. We really I really encourage you to sign up. And uh, be a part of that because it's going to be a great conversation just around what it looks like to love our children and to disciple them as parents, as the Bible calls us to. And so we'd love for you to be a part of that. I know that that's a lot. Um, all of that is on our website, but just wanted you to be aware of what we're, what's going on um, in the next few weeks here at Glenlock. I wasn't supposed to do this, but I had a passage I would like to read um, as part of our call to worship. And uh, just something to kind of set our hearts in the right direction for this morning. So in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is, is writing a prayer that he has for the church at Ephesus. And in this prayer, he speaks about just the wonder of God. And I want to pr- pray that over us this morning before we get started with worship. It says in Ephesians 4, starting in v- verse 14, For this reason I kneel before the Father, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity to celebrate you, Lord. I pray that in our hearts and our minds, Lord, we would recognize that homecoming is not about 121 years of our faithfulness to you but about 121 years of your faithfulness to us and lord i pray that our hearts and minds would be just saturated lord by your love and your grace and all that you've done for us lord may we celebrate and worship you fully with all of our hearts this morning in your name we pray
1: amen i'm I'm the one that's uh bringing our update but you believe from the very beginning that that all of you are the ones that have been doing it all year, and of course we can't cover everything, uh, but we're thankful for those that participated, and, and we've been able to have a great church year and uh, honor the Lord and what he's called us all to do. But I'm just going to read through this uh, fairly quickly, but uh, we've made some changes as far as our youth program is concerned, and I just wanted to start off with that because our youth program and, and children's ministry led by Bryson uh, shoemake and uh sarah beth uh and we appreciate the job that that they both do sarah beth bledsoe uh and by the way with sarah beth if you just want to be uh lifted up a little bit just hang around with her because she's either laughing or talking or having fun so we enjoy uh, her ministry here Uh, plus many volunteers that that help with this program uh, with the children and with the youth they moved the children. It used to be on Sunday night. Now we've moved that to uh, Wednesday night, so that's the main uh, program for the year. This year we had uh, the Cross Camp uh, Student Ministry and, uh, and services, and two large events. We had 47 that attended that. Uh, so we, And then the Children's Ministry was a big event was the Vacation Bible School and the Fall Festival, and I think there was 122 participating in those programs. I also want to talk for a minute about our uh, uh, children's, uh, I mean, our food ministry led by Durell Langley and many volunteers in the distribution of food. Uh, these numbers are pretty impressive because of all the hard work that goes on uh, all year. And this happens every Tuesday morning between 9 and 12 o'clock. The total pounds distributed here at Glenlock this year. Hundred and seventy seven thousand eight hundred and eight pounds. That's a lot of food. That's a lot of hands uh, on and working. The number of the number of households was twenty eight hundred and forty-two that was impacted. Number of persons, nine thousand three hundred and fifty-four. Number of children, 3,500 and 3,575. The number of senior citizens, seventeen hundred and fifty-eight a good cross-section of, of, of people being served here. And uh, on Tuesday mornings, or Tuesday at lunch, we have a fellowship for our pantry workers and for the community. And you, if you're around here on Tuesday morning, you're welcome to come and eat some good uh, homemade food. There's uh, usually about 20 or 25 people here for that. Then on our fellowship hall, we had a little work done out there. We had to update the roof. We had to repair storm damage. Came in one day and uh, the kitchen area was about ankle deep with water. So uh, that created some issues and we were able to get that done and taken care of. And also, you'll notice this year that we've replaced the table and chairs in the fellowship hall. That was much needed. I wanna talk about missions for just a minute. Uh, we're very active in, in, in different ministries here, but. A Nicaraguan ministry uh, in uh, Nicaragua, of course, Ronnie Hopkins and his team are who, who lead that, and we go there, in fact, we were there in February. Neil and James and myself was there in February for eight days uh, and uh, had, had a great trip and great ministry there and a great work is going on there all year long. And then in Japan, uh, we have Michael Creed and his wife Yumi, who started a church in Hiroshima, and uh, that's that's going well, and there are different people in the church that support that ministry. Uh, then we have Jamie Wynn and his wife Kara, who is at Grace Harbor Creek uh, Church in New Bedford, uh, Massachusetts. So he w- he's, he's come out of Douglasville to go to Massachusetts. That's going to be an adjustment, I promise you, just because of, of the changes there. And of course, uh, the uh, local storm cleanup here, which is going on any time we have storms and things, our local uh, members uh, pitch in and, and help with that. So, of course, one night in Bethlehem, was one on in December of 22, had 875 people to come through one night in Bethlehem. A very, very good night, two nights, uh, and over 80 Glenlock volunteers it takes to put that on. and. Uh, We appreciate that and the work. Our WMU, our ladies are always working. They are always busy. They had the angel tree in December for the families in need, and those, uh, I I, I don't remember the number that was served, but it was a large number of uh, of people that had needs or their children that had needs. Then we have the food ministry for different functions throughout the the year, and uh, that's coordinated by Uh, Rose uh, uh, Sanders. Uh, Then the soccer ministry, which is going on right now, that uh, uh, Neil and uh, Bryson and and Giles head that up with many volunteers. We have Johnny and Patsy Daniel that take care of the food support for that, and we appreciate their work each year in doing that. For our membership update, we've had seven baptisms, and we're already thankful for that. Plus one this morning, so uh, that makes eight, doesn't it? And then f- we received by statement two, two members, and then transfer in of members uh, five for a total of new additions of 14 for the year. Uh, another update is the sound system uh, has been updated, and that was just that's been worked on, and it's just this Randy Meacham and his uh, very able team uh, have a I don't know, I think our update there was a between five dollars and $6,000, uh, which has just been done recently, and we appreciate all their work. Our benevolence for the year, this is money that's in our budget that we give to people in need, $4,181. Uh, our youth building this year, we replaced the heating, uh, in the process of replacing the heating and air unit and the duct work. That's been a pretty pretty big project for us. Uh, our choir had a, had a great children uh, program in, at Easter time, and uh, a lot of the children uh, participated in that under the direction, of course, of uh, uh, Catherine uh, Moody, our director, and so many people that helped with that, and it was a very, it was an excellent program, and I uh, and, uh, also want to uh, thank or say Kevin Marshall is here. He's he's a member of our church, of course, but he also is in charge of our ground uh, Upkeep and the, the grass. If you look out there and you want to thank somebody for that that, that, that would be Mr. Kevin Marshall. I just want to say to everybody who helped make this update possible thank you. Th- thank you for the contributions, the financial contributions, the labor contributions. And we still have lots of work to do. So let's just keep praying and, and, uh, and asking for God to lead us exactly where He'd have us to go. Thank you.
2: for his amazing grace Um, again welcome to homecoming 2023 at Glenlock to me one of the most significant and moving things that we do at our homecomings is we remember and reflect on those who have passed uh, in the last 12 months not only who were members of our church but also associated with us in the community I am the JV today because the varsity Kim Harper is out of town. She normally reads our memorial report and that is intentional, so I want to say a word about grief share ministry. I think one of the most significant things that we have as far as ministry opportunity is something called grief share. A lot of you have benefited from that. All of us, at some point in our life, would benefit from it because all of us are going to experience a time of grief and loss, not only of of death, but but of any kind. So I want to encourage you that if at any point in your life you sense heavy loss, that you contact me or Kim Harper and we'll point you toward that wonderful ministry called grief share and I could share with you several people who are in here this morning who have benefited from that as well so what I'm going to do I'm going to read the names of those who have passed in the last year Um, and if you're like me and you're sitting out there oftentimes you're you're surprised at how many have passed Uh, you're surprised at who has passed so let's be in prayer as we remember and reflect on the following names. And I'll work through this at a, at a pace that I, I, I hope and pray is, is, is reverent and, um, and meaningful for all of you who have loved ones who are on this, this list. So um, Margaret Shoemake, Joe Thompson, Miss Novice Smith, Mr. Malin Lane, Gary Little, Judy Whittemore, Jim Jones, Manny Farley, Geneva Watts Hand. These are in chronological order, by the way. Bob Shorter, Juanita Owenby, Austin McIntyre, Ruby Shelton, Miss Jenny Garvin, Wilma Skinner Riddle, Phil Palmer, Carla Bryan. Let me catch my breath, I may not make it. Uh, Grace Patrick, Trudy O'Neill, William Walls, Damon Brandenburg, Don Gilman, Phyllis Carroll. Mr. Gwen Caldwell, Jimmy Adams, Martha Arrington, Hollis Flannoy, Destiny Ray, Grover Marshall, Sybil Pike, Ms. Lillian Donaldson, Mr. Philip Denny, Ms. Mary-Gwen Walls, Mr. Willie Pete Turner, Master Elijah Blaine-Turner, uh, Bill Salmon, Steve Prince, Kelly Barber, Chase Tripp, Gene Duke, David Marsh, Ronnie Bishop, Randy Palin, Mr. Walt Carl, Jackie Preston, Justin Foreman, Gary Holmes, Anna Cook, Miss Judy Furr, Mrs. Johnson, Charlotte Lay, Avery Cox, Chantelle Butler, Rachel Johnson, Elaine Hendricks, Mr. Gary Brandenburg, Jimmy Willis, Mr. Jimmy Pollard, Miss June Maxwell, Carl Quinn, Gwendolyn Riddle, Joshua Pierce, Mr. Harry Barber, Antoine Carter, Herbert Giles, Ronnie Riddle, Andy Gillen, Pam Olive, Tammy Alford. And then there was a name that was not on this list when it was handed to me, who passed this week, and that's our dear, sweet Miss Lois Sutton. If you did not know that, I'm sorry to tell you that this morning, but uh, very special, beautiful saint. Uh, she had a, had her homecoming before homecoming, and it was far better than this one. Uh, but just for informational sake, her funeral will be tomorrow at 1 o'clock at um, Martin and Hightower in Carrollton with visitation starting at noon tomorrow. So let's be in prayer for Judy and that family in the passing of uh, Miss Lois Sutton. Again, my apologies if any names were left off. Not a year goes by that we haven't somehow, some way uh, accidentally left off a name. I do want to read a verse that we read last week from Isaiah in light of all this passing. uh, Let's remember God is good and he is sovereign. And he has promised that he will swallow up death for all time. Isaiah 25, 8. He will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces. He will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. 35.10 The ransomed of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion. With everlasting joy upon their heads, they will find gladness and joy. Here it is. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. What a day that will be when our Jesus we shall see. And thanks be to God for his sovereignty and his grace and the promise and the gift of eternal life. Now, after our choir, no, after I think all of us, they just sang. So after all of us sing, we are blessed today to have our friend, Pastor Kirk Richardson, back with us at Glenlock. Kirk, welcome home, brother. Amen. I appreciate Kirk and his friendship. Um i'm like kirk i don't know how long ago it was but when we were worshiping over there in the old sanctuary these two young cool college guys walked into the church and uh we kept one of them i went we went 50 50 percent, and we kept kirk and kirk immediately got plugged into areas of great need with our youth and our children our soccer program and uh And now he's pastor at Christ the King, and he has a beautiful family. He's a great dad, a great husband, and a wonderful pastor, and we are blessed today to have Kirk preaching for us. Kirk, I don't know if this helps you, but I was was older than you are now when you first came to Glenlock Baptist Church. So you got that going for you, all right? So uh, I'm looking forward to Kirk preaching this morning from Isaiah chapter 40, which is right in line with what we've been doing. So Kirk, thank you, and welcome home, brother.
3: We are going to sing together, and I wanted to point out one other church update that's music related. They mentioned we have a new sound system, but one of the names read was Judy Whittemore, And Judy and Joe were our musicians, and they had this beautiful organ in their house. And if you don't know anything about music, that organ's the most valuable, expensive thing on this property probably right now. Um, And he wanted that donated to the church, and God blessed us with, um, maybe not vehicles, I don't know. Um, But he blessed us with that, and then God blessed us with somebody who could play it. So our full-time musicians are now Miss Becky Carlisle and Ms. Joyce McClain, but we wouldn't have either one of these instruments on this stage if it wouldn't be for the Whittemores and their generosity, so I just wanted to point that out and remember them on this homecoming. <clears throat> if you'll we're going to sing when we all get to heaven.
4: good to be back this morning and to see so many friendly and familiar faces. I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 40. We're going to this morning be looking at verses 1 through 11 as I just step into the stream with you as you've been already studying through the book of Isaiah. As you're turning there, let me say um, it is uh, is genuinely a joy and a pleasure. Um, Anytime I'm able to come back to Glenlock, it would have been quite a while if I were not here on Thursday night, for Glenlock Soccer. And so it was good to kick the dust off and and kick some dust up, okay, as we started uh, soccer practice this past week. But this is a church that means so much to me and has meant so much to our family. It's played such an important role in uh, in my life as I was discipled in this church. I was baptized uh, in this church. I was brought on staff here. Courtney and I started a family here. I was uh, ordained for gospel ministry here. I was supported through seminary here at Glenlock and allowed to grow as a preacher and a pastor here, which requires both a lot of patience and a lot of grace on behalf of many of you, okay? And so I'm most thankful for that. Our son was dedicated in this room. And your pastor, uh, in many ways, I still consider him to be my pastor. He's a great friend and mentor. On January 1st of 2017, having been commissioned here, we were sent to plant a church in Carrollton, taking with us some of the distinctives that I was introduced to and adopted here. Glenlock Baptist Church has a legacy that extends well beyond these walls. And so I want you to know and understand that my being here this morning is, is evidence of that. And so, uh, such an encouragement to, uh, to be here. I'm thankful. Uh, with all of that being said, I'm excited to, uh, to look to the book, to look to the Bible this morning, and to, uh, to explore together Isaiah chapter 40. The message of Isaiah chapters 40 through 66, sometimes referred to as second Isaiah, is above all a word of comfort and good news for God's people of a new exodus out of captivity, a result of their sin and their future movement back to a new Jerusalem as God serves to lead them. You see, Isaiah offers to those who are tired and tempted to believe that God has forgotten them, a marked contrast for those who have been reading along through the first 39 chapters, which is presented in weight and judgment. Isaiah 40 is a message of reassurance from God that He will deliver those who belong to Him in spite of everything that one's feelings or circumstances might seem to indicate. Isaiah 40, in many ways, is the payoff of everything that came before it. I've got a a fastball right down the center of the plate this morning as I step into this pulpit. The hope of redemption for those carried away into Babylon that feels in many ways like those first cool fall mornings after a blistering Georgia summer that bring with them a break that maybe you weren't even aware that your body and psyche needed. Isaiah's words fit perfectly within the story arc of the rest of the Bible. Reassurance that God is near and able to deliver, that he hears his children as one who is attentive to their prayers. God, the creator of The heavens and the earth, who knows the name of every star and its place in the sky, simultaneously knows the number of hairs on your head, demonstrates his might to bring about his will and purposes, both in your personal and the political spectrum. The Bible says that God is familiar and present with his people, even though the challenges that they encounter, that we encounter, are often many. Based on the word of God through Isaiah, we can know that God confirms the good news that his chosen servant will bring into existence a new world marked by justice for all people in every nation and the hope of new covenant relationship with him. Not because we are good or they are good, but because he is good. God sends his Messiah Jesus, who suffers for the sins of others, who takes our guilt and shame on the cross, only then to be elevated and celebrated for his work before leading citizens of God's kingdom into a place of eternal rest. Again, a new holy city with no further threat from Babylon. Or the various nations of the world that worship other gods and act with aggression towards his elect. Isaiah writes to encourage the people of God who are tired. Who are tired of sins, effects, and consequences and need something to look forward to. In many ways Isaiah speaks to every one of us in this room this morning. No matter where you were as you walked through the doors. I've got four observations that I want us to to walk through this morning as we look at, again, the first 11 verses. I'm going to give these to you now, and then I'm going to walk through each one of them in, in just a little bit of detail, because we don't have a lot of time. Number one, we're going to find in verses 1 and 2, the comfort of God. The comfort of God. After that, in verses 3 and 4 and 5, the coming of God. The consistency of God, and then finally the call of God. The comfort of God, the coming of God, the consistency of God, and finally the call of God. All alliterated so that we all feel right at home as Pastor Neal takes his seat on the front row this morning. My goal of the time that we have today is to walk through this text, to explain it, to illustrate my points, and then to give you a few points of application so that we're together encouraged to believe in and follow Jesus, the Good Shepherd of our hearts. So, if you're with me in Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 1, do me a favor and say amen. 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 Here we go. Looking at verse 1, the prophet Isaiah writes Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arms rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we are grateful for your love for us. We're grateful for your word. We're grateful for your compassion and kindness to us pray this morning that we would be convicted and encouraged from the words of Isaiah chapter 40. That Jesus would be celebrated and adored. Open our eyes and our, and our hearts and our ears to understand what you have preserved for us. And to give us the strength and conviction to apply it. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. We begin by looking at the comfort of God, observable in verses 1 and 2. There's a clear shift for those who have been journeying together through the writings of Isaiah, a literary union or a new genre coming out of the first 39 chapters and into chapter 40. What we read here more closely resembles Jimmy Buffett's Cheeseburger in Paradise than the autobiography of, of Jimmy Carter, meaning that the language is less narrative and it's really more poetic, as Isaiah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, records these words and phrases that he received from God. This passage, in many ways, reads like like the vision of Peter recorded in the book of Acts or that of John in the Revelation. There are, as we see in verses 3 and 6, some number of unidentified influencers Sharing with Isaiah the things God wants him to write and to share in a way that paints a hopeful picture of the deliverance and coming of Messiah, Israel's Redeemer and the Savior and and blessing of the nations. Look with me at verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says our God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her. That her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. You see, Isaiah 40 begins just as the Bible itself does, and that is with the words of God. I think that we could say that we have all, at one point or another, been encouraged through the engagement of another person. Something as simple as their company can make all the difference. It's funny how being back on campus for homecoming brings back so many memories. I couldn't help but think through even this morning as we drove together as a family to church and and again stepped onto campus here. Of our first Sunday, the first Sunday that my wife Courtney and I were in this space together after we were married. You see, Courtney grew up as the daughter of a pastor. And spent her adolescent years in one church under the preaching and teaching of her dad. And around these people who had committed themselves to pray and care for her, to serve her and to show her Jesus as is the task of the church. When she and I began dating and having serious conversations about our future together and what we felt like God was doing, it became obvious that she would be leaving the church that she had called home for so many years to come and be a part of this community at Glenlock. A move that started while we were engaged, but came to its logical conclusion on the first Sunday after we returned from our honeymoon. Of course, we were both excited, but we knew that it would be a difficult transition. The drive out to church that morning was quiet, but when worship started, man, the tears began to flow. It wasn't that Courtney was hurt or upset, it was just challenging and it was and it was emotional. I'll never forget Lori Pryor, who having observed Courtney's reaction, came over and put her arms around her. She she hugged her and she stood with her, which I was really thankful for because I felt totally ill-equipped. And that I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Through her practice, Miss Lori was saying and then demonstrating the point. Engagement in moments of trouble can be incredibly profitable. To know that you are seen and, and loved brings with it this sense of comfort and peace. To further demonstrate this, I want you to think back to a time in your life when you were isolated, or, or maybe you were lonely. A new person in a room full of people. Do we connect with this feeling of of anxiousness. Now I want you to imagine that through the silence cuts a voice, one that comes to you, as is the case for Israel, in response to your sin, which brought with it a very real consequence, one that you see no way out of, a figure who speaks hope. And as he does, you find cause for your concerns to begin to fall away. I want you to take yourself to that place for just a moment. Do you have it? Right? Can you think of it? I know that I can. Now I want you to imagine that this word of comfort comes from God. And it comes in response to the failure of his people and their... Exhaustion, God shares his desire for Isaiah to take to them a message of comfort. Comfort in the immediate for future exiles. And comfort in the eternal for those who anticipate a new heaven and a new earth. Don't ridicule them or chastise them, which is something that we might have expected. But instead, speak tenderly and cry to Jerusalem, the word of the Lord says. Say to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity, that her sin is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. This is a message that is delivered 700 years before Jesus was born. Still, God offers this encouragement, and the encouragement is this, that your fight is over. There's two ways that we can that we can read and understand this in the scope of history. Number one, again, pertains to the exile that Jerusalem, that Israel has yet to experience. Isaiah says that it will come to an end. Not only that, but you can, you can trust, you can rest assured that your sin-stained existence will also end. And so I want us to to look and discuss each one of these briefly for just a moment. Again, number one, picture the Lord saying to the exiles, wake up, right? In that that comfortable, care-giving tone that a parent has as they wake up a sleeping child. We're going home. It's it's over. The war is over. The ordeal is over. Over the exile is over. Courtney and I were running some Saturday afternoon errands just a few weeks ago, and uh, and it was after we had ridden bikes together on the Greenbelt, which is a, a great Saturday practice that we've established into our rhythms. It wears our children out. It's good to be outside, right? And as we got back to the car, we we shared with our children that we needed to run a a couple of of errands. Those words that children despise hearing on a Saturday afternoon. Only then, Courtney and I began to, to reason with them. At which point, you really begin to wonder who's crazier, them or us? The fact that we were trying to reason this out. But we shared with them, listen, we only have a few stops to go. We have like three stops. It'll take 30 minutes. When we were kids... And we had three stops to make. We knew that was going to take up the next three hours. We have to go to the grocery store and to, and to Target. And we're going to run in the coffee shop. And we can do all of these things without even getting outside of our cars. Still, the, the message that brings great hope to our children. The errands are over. Right? The errands are, are over. Your, your war is over. Your trouble has has come to a conclusion. This is something like the message that Israel will receive from the prophet Isaiah. Not only does this pertain to their their exile, but God encourages those who belong to him by faith that these words, because in the fullness of time, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus of Nazareth, will serve as this as this monumental and colossal resounding cry of freedom. As he is already the son, Messiah, offered himself up in in his righteous life and death for the unrighteous in order to make us into something that we are naturally not. Because of our iniquity, forgiven. Do you want to know the essence of sin? Here it is. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam moves to attain the crown of God in exchange for the company of God. We see from Adam, and so as a result in Adam, that we have all sinned. So that by default, all of humanity knows the war that Isaiah is talking about. War with God, war with one another, and war with one's self. Here God says the war is over. Your activity has resulted in humiliation and loss. Even still, the word of God to Israel is that in spite of their waywardness, God is committed. Commitment demonstrated through His voice. God speaks and He does so with confidence. It's not that the war might be over or that it could be over, but that the war is over because God's work Pictured in his word isn't dependent on our nature or our reaction, but it is instead wholly dependent on his. And so he comes here with with kindness to the exile and to everyone after him, to the afflicted, to the impatient, to the frustrated, to the dusty, to the prodigal. God comes with a message of comfort and peace. Go to those with faith and make it clear that their sin has been taken care of. Let them know that they have been forgiven. In the case of Isaiah 40, we see comfort from God for his people, a message of hope that is intended to inspire. Not only do we find the comfort of God, but we find reference to the coming of God. Look with me at verse 3. Isaiah writes, a voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Now again, we don't know whose voice comes to Isaiah in verse 3, but we can say with confidence that it really doesn't matter. As this is the will of God shared with God. The one charged with acting as his witness. Whoever it is that is speaking to Isaiah, they make reference to this figure whose ministry would serve to prepare the people for the coming of God, who would prepare the road for God's arrival. You see, this is a metaphor. The landscape and approach to Jerusalem from the east was understood as especially challenging, picturing the need for repentance and social reform to remake the world and and the heart as a place fit for the coming king. We can take both the physical and the familiar and we can spiritualize it, which is exactly what this voice is doing. Years ago, Glenlock had a, uh, a partnership of sorts with a church planter and pastor in Honduras named Gerardo. In connection with other churches, Glenlock would send people into the mountains of Honduras to share the gospel with locals in this remote village in the mountains. Scott Gooch, Jonathan Horsley, and myself were all a part of that team at various points along the way. We would take our gear and we would, we would load it. Everything that we could carry for three or four days into the mountains, water, food, clothing, and resources into the back of a truck. And we would ride in the back of this truck into the mountains of Honduras until the road came to an end. And then we would would get out. With the help of donkeys, we would walk six or seven hours into the mountains. The terrain would be various at times. There were points where it felt like you were walking on a pig trail with vegetation extending over and across the trail. Then there were other parts where it, where it widened. And on one side you would have a, a cliff, and on the other side exposed rock making up the side of the mountain. The trail itself exposed to the, to the sun and, and the heat. And I remember as we were walking along this trail, the locals telling us that the Honduran government had shared with everyone who lived on the mountain their plans to come and to pave this road, which sounded completely ridiculous. There's no way that anyone could get out here with the equipment needed to level and to pave this road, to prepare it for travel, Only to our surprise, years later, they did come and they did prepare that road. They they paved it, and because they did, travel was made possible in this area, whereas before, it was nearly impossible. Hundreds of years would pass by, but in the Gospel of Luke, we find the connection between the prophecy of Isaiah to the people and a messenger in the wilderness named John the Baptist who prepared the world for God's coming in Jesus by leveling the ground, by lifting up the broken and bringing down the proud. You see, before you can make something, a lot of times you have to break something, don't you? If you want to make an omelet, you have to crack a few eggs. If you're a high school athlete or have ever been a high school athlete, you understand this. At times, your coaches act to prepare you for the season through confrontation. Here's your problem, right? You're not fast enough off the line, or you're, you're playing smaller than you actually are. To a wide receiver or a tight end with size, a coach might say, Listen, you are built like a brick house. Use that to your advantage. Go up and high point the ball, or use your speed to run past the defensive back. Get to your spot. John comforted the broken. And he confronted the religious by exposing them to their self-righteousness and, in effect, their need for a new and different type of faithfulness. To the marginalized, he shared the heart of God and his consideration of them. You see, John brought a message that met people where they were and as a result prepared their hearts for the ministry of Jesus who, verse 5, look with me back at Isaiah chapter 40, revealed the glory of the Lord. And all flesh shall, the voice says, see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. There's a need for transformation. Someone needs to come in and they need to pave this road. Isaiah says that a day is approaching in which the Lord will come and make visible to us the glory of God. John the Baptist says that this happens through Jesus. It happens through his earthly ministry, and it happens in his ministry to come. In the meantime, we as transformed people live as Christians to radiate the glory of God. God. We live as light. We live as those who mirror Christ, who reflect Christ in a way that creates curiosity among those in our communities and spheres of influence and serves to draw them to Jesus. We find the comfort of God, the coming of God, and then in verses 6 through 8, the consistency of God. Look with me at verse 6. Again, the voice comes, Cry which the prophet Isaiah responds, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever." Again, a voice. We don't know if it's the same voice, we don't know if it's a different voice, but again, it's the content that matters the most. What does Isaiah have to say here? All flesh is grass. It is like a flower that grows up in your yard, that as time progresses, fades, it withers and dries, and then it blows away. Time takes its toll, doesn't it? Time takes its It's toll. It takes its toll on the world and it takes its toll on the flesh. I'm 37 years old. I feel like I'm in good shape. I'm relatively active. Still there are moments in the day where having been sitting down, I notice how hunched over I am around my core. Why am I sitting like this? (laughs) I asked myself. I'm bent over like I'm wearing a weight around my neck, like someone placed a sandbag on my back, and it is just folding me over onto myself. Time, gravity, it's, it's crushing us. I'm reminded in these moments that my flesh is fading, and so is yours. Verses 6 and 7 is a reminder that we are, that we are, are fading. We heard a list of names this morning that support this point. And another, in very real sense, is verses 6 and 7 often in, it's offer insight into what we might call the beginnings of the new heavens and the new earth, upon which and to which we look to for hope. Do you ever wonder what it will look like when Jesus, our King, comes back? I know that I do. Verses 6 and 7 say that The flesh, that the self-sufficient, that the self-dependent, that the proud will be completely unable to stand before the glory of God. It will be be powerful. But the Word, the, the record of God, and the Son of God, the Word made flesh can be trusted. And the Bible says that it can be trusted without hesitation. No, the voice says, that God's words will never prove false, but they will stand forever because God is committed and because God is consistent. Israel needed to hear that the word of God would prevail. And you know what? So do we. You and I, we need to, to hear that God's word stands Forever. Peter emphasizes this point in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 23 through 25, where he writes, having purified your souls by, the, by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of what? Of imperishable. Through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass. In all its glory, like the flower of grass, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is good news, Peter writes, that was preached to you. You see, the reality is we need God's word. We need God's word and we need God's son. And Isaiah 40 says that we will never graduate out of our need. God is consistent. It should be said that though our days even now are fading, that we are, as followers of Jesus, as Christians in this room, vigorous and vibrant, housing the Spirit and committed to the good works of God, that we too are consistent, that we too are committed, helping those around us to better understand who our God is so we have the comfort of God, we have the coming of God, we have the consistency of God, and then finally we have the call of God in verses 9 through 11. At this point we begin to turn the corner towards tangible handholds of application. Listen to the instruction delivered to Isaiah. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion. Herald of good news, and lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up. Fear not, don't be afraid, but, but instead say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with, with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a, like a shepherd. And he will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. There is this intimacy. There's this closeness that's pictured for the people here. As he leads those that are with young. What is the call of God? Well, it's for Israel to go. It's for Israel to go and to use their voices to speak good news. A summary of verses 1 through 8. Look to God. To the Lord who comes with might, our shepherd who keeps his flock, who takes up his sheep and carries them close. Speak good news. Speak good news. This is the call to Israel, but it is equally the call to every Christian in this room, which brings us to a point of of application, considering the the whole of this morning's text. Listen to what Kevin DeYoung says had to say about this particular passage. He says, there's an old saying that the work of the preacher is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. In a nutshell, that's what preaching is. There are people here every Sunday who are, who are too comfortable and need to be afflicted a bit. The hard things is that there are also people who are really afflicted and need some comfort. Perhaps there are some here who have asked Jesus into their hearts and have prayed a prayer. Though you say, yes, I'm a sinner, and yes, I need Jesus, you would do well to consider that there's a, a real hatred for, turning from, and forsaking of that sin. It's one thing to weep over the consequences of sin. It's another thing to weep before Christ. It's one thing to have plenteous regrets. It's another thing to have true spirit-wrought repentance. And so as we consider Isaiah chapter 40 verses 1 through 11 and we ask what does this mean for me this morning in terms of what I ought to do in terms of the word of the Lord and its application to my life, first and foremost, the encouragement would be believe. Believe. Welcome the comfort of Jesus. Believe on Jesus. Comfort found through repentance and faith that saves. Confess your need for a Savior who comes to act as your shepherd and to act as your king. And then aspire towards consistency. Aspire towards consistency in a life of faith as we reflect the character of God to one another and The world. And then finally, go. Go. Glenlock Baptist Church, continue on in the legacy of going. Continue on in the legacy of going and and sending and speaking truth and good news to the lost and to the discouraged. The encouragement to you in this room is to herald hope. To herald hope. May gospel words, God's words, take central position as it is only they that never fade. Jesus has come, the road has been prepared, and Christ has walked the path of death so that we can traverse the way of life. So see and celebrate the cross and the resurrection this morning, When I think back on my time at Glenlock, the thing that I think was most profitable to me as a young Christian was learning a value and love for God's Word. Because a lot of things have changed over the years. A lot of people have, have come and gone. A lot of circumstances look very much different now than they did then. But there is reassurance in Isaiah chapter 40 that though life changes. The word of God does not. May we rest together, the people of God, in this great truth this morning. Let me pray for us as we close our time. Father, your word is true. It is good. It is powerful. And through it, you present us with our need. You present us with our sin while at the same time pointing us towards its solution found through faith in Jesus, who suffers and dies in our place, who rises victorious over death and the hell, so the so hell, so we might know community with you, we might know fellowship with you. Encourage us in these truths this morning, as your people, desiring to live hope-filled, gospel-centered existences for your glory, for the good of those around us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.